Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to see the glory of the one and only Son, the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, today I want to talk about the fullness of Jesus. The opening of John's Gospel, which we have just heard read, presents Jesus in overflowing terms. It is bursting with things to say about Jesus. And each of these things fills our understanding of Jesus up. Beyond the capacity of you know, your one litre water bottle, beyond an oil drum, beyond a water tank, beyond a dam, a lake, an ocean. There's the fullness in this passage about Jesus. He is the Word who was with God and who was God. He is the life, which is the light of all mankind. He is the one and only Son of the Divine Father. When we open John's Gospel, the story opens in the beginning. And the one we come to know as Jesus is already there without beginning. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Gospel of Mark begins with the Old Testament prophets. He says, The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Mark goes back to the prophets. Luke begins by introducing his account and then by turning to Zechariah and Elizabeth. He says in verse 5 of chapter 1, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Matthew's Gospel begins with Abraham. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. But John goes back even before it is said that God created the heavens and the earth. The whole Bible opens with the words of Genesis 1-1 in the beginning. And John uses those words to begin his account of Jesus. Genesis says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. But John wants to talk about what was even before that act in which God created the heavens and the earth. He says, in the beginning was the word. We have to read and reflect and grasp what John means by this term, the word. The word is distinguishable in some manner from the creator from whom all being springs. The word was with God. The word was alongside, accompanying, also present with God. But the word is also identifiable with the divine source of all things. The word was God. The word may be identified with God. The word shares God's godness. The word is not another thing that is not God. The word is God. Verse 3, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. The word is not one of the things that have been made. Rather, everything created has its being through him. 
He's involved in that divine act of creation where God created the heavens and the earth. And he's involved on the divine side of that act. In him, verse 4, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. Life was not given to him, not breathed into him. It was in him. And this life that the word possessed was not some organic process. Rather, this life is a life that is also light. Light illuminates. Light makes things intelligible. It brings wisdom. Light dispels darkness. It is the goodness that attracts us to its safety, away from the evil that we fear will swallow us in blackness. This is the life, the light that is in the word. And by talking about this one who is word and life and light, John introduces us to one who is full of all the powers, all the qualities, who is with God and who is God. He shares in all this fullness of God. This is the first way John introduces the one who is the subject of his gospel. The other way is to anchor his subject in history. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The John that is introduced here is John the Baptist. You can read about him in Josephus and other historians. And so like the other Gospels, John's Gospel is not a kind of myth or legend. It's not set in some you know, alternative world. It's, it's our world. It's our history. It's an actual real place. Uh, Galilee and Judea, it's an actual real time, the first century. This is not a myth or legend. But it is telling of something Unique, something unprecedented, something that has never happened before and will never happen again. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. So Jesus was not a man who was exalted to be a kind of demigod, nor was he a kind of mighty, semi-divine, spiritual being appearing in human form. He was more than either of those things. Rather, in Jesus, we meet the Word who was with God and who is God in the beginning. We meet him become flesh. The Word did not cease to be God when he became flesh. And the flesh that he became was real human flesh. He took upon himself our nature. Our body, our mind, our heart, our soul. The mixed reception that Jesus got, or would get, as we read on in John, is summarised in verses 10 to 13. First, there is the unhappy side of his reception, verses 10 and 11. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. 
And the world in John's gospel is the human world that is estranged from God, that does not recognise God when he walks amongst us. The humanity that will not have him, that is the world in John's gospel. The humanity that comes to even to reject him and despise him and crucify him in the end. This is the unhappy side of his reception. But there are those who give him a different reception in verses 12 and 13. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Not all are averse to the light, not all are blind to the glory of the one who came from the Father. There are those who, by God's grace, do receive the gifts he brings. What are these gifts? Well, to be born of God is one, and to be his child. This birth, being born of God, is the beginning of a new kind of life in us and for us. We, we can be born at any age, born in this way. This new life as a child of God does not come by any human factors, It's a life that is given by God as his gift, his act. It is a life that is alive to God as his gift. There's the first gift, if you like, of God to be born of God and be his child. This is an amazing gift. Secondly, grace and truth. Verse 14 says that the father's only son is full of grace and truth. God is full of grace and truth. In the Old Testament, the pairing is often translated love and faithfulness. And through Jesus Christ, grace and truth, love and faithfulness come to us in a new and deeper way than they ever had before. Out of his fullness, verse 16, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. What God gave Israel through Moses in the law, the Ten Commandments from Mount Sinai, which were the opening of that law, and the tabernacle and priesthood, which were the crown of it, what God gave Israel through Moses in those things was grace and it was truth. It was a way in which the Israelites could know God's will and his character through the commandments. It was a way in which they could have their sins forgiven and live in fellowship with God through priest and sacrifice and tabernacle. But there was something Jesus made more direct, more immediate, more present and known about God's grace and truth than Moses ever could. No one has ever seen God, says John. In Exodus 33, when Moses uh, asks to see God's glory, uh, God says, look, that's not possible for you in the way that you're asking. But when God's glory passes by Moses, God says, I will put you in a cleft in the rock of the mountain and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you'll see my back. There's a way in which there's a a glory that's not to be seen by Moses, let alone conveyed by him. But John says that he and those who knew Jesus, he says, we have seen his glory. 
glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth, full of God's love and faithfulness. And so the third gift is to know God. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. These three gifts, to be born of God, be his child, grace and truth, to know God, these are all really, of course, three ways to describe what is one gift, one gift that Jesus brings to us in these facets. And the question is, and will be for us as we read John, and we're going to work through John 1 to 3 in coming weeks, the question for us is, what will we make of Jesus? Will we recognise him as the one he is, the word made flesh? Will we receive him as the one who brings us gifts from God that no one else can bring? Will we receive him as the one and only son of the Father? These are our questions. John opens his gospel with a meditation on the fullness of Jesus. And he wants us to see great things in Jesus. And he wants us to seek great things from Jesus. There may be things here that cause you to wonder, how can the word be both with God and also be God? How can the word who is God become flesh and be a human being? Why would God live as such a man, Jesus Christ, at such a time, in such a place, in such a way, if he's to make God known? There may be questions, and John's Gospel is very good at provoking questions. If you can read it and not scratch your head, well, perhaps you need to read it more carefully. And it's good to wrestle with questions, and I hope we do. But John's Gospel is also good at evoking faith. There is something about it that many find alive, profound, revelatory. Certainly, this opening is full of surprise. God is the Word made flesh. What a thought. And this surprise is full of promise that God is with us. He made his dwelling amongst us. He is for us. He comes to bring us gifts. He is among us with these gifts, light and life, grace and truth, the right to become his child. Isn't it worthy of the God of grace and truth that he would draw near even to those who had wandered away and were living in darkness, and that as he drew near, he would shine the fullness of his light in our darkness. If that is worthy of God, surprising as it may be, do come on this journey through the Gospel of John as we seek great things in Jesus and from him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us uh, not to be those who don't recognise what you have done in Jesus and what is proclaimed in this old gospel. Help us rather to be those who 
are able to see him for who he is, to see even his glory, the glory of the one and only Son from you, full of grace and truth. And as we receive him and believe in his name, we pray that you would make us your own children, that you would give us that birth we need to be born of you and to know you in that way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.